I love watching that and just taking a moment and reflecting on what really who Jesus is and all those descriptions of Jesus that we're going through this fall in, in the book of John and going in the series Living in the Light. We still have lights on, by the way. I don't know what the big deal is about some storm coming. I don't know what. I thought you guys would be in line at Costco making sure you got your toilet paper, uh, but uh, you're here. It's a good, good sized group here today. If you're online, we're, we're so glad you're joining us as well. We hope the power stays on, so we're still connecting here because we can keep going, and uh, we don't need all this, this fancy equipment at all just to continue to be here, be a part of it. Great to have Shane and Abby with us. You guys are just awesome people, and you just, I've said this before, I mean, you've come, and you know, they're just, you know, Shane's been, grew up with us here and everything, and just how you found Abby is amazing, right? Don't you think? It's just, you guys compliment one another. You just, you're, 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 you're singing is just an expression of your marriage, and it's so beautiful, and it's so great to have you guys here with us today. But we are continuing this, this series that we're doing. We're week four and the living in the light. And like I said earlier, you know, we're expressing, you know, trying to be like literally, you know, glow stations to our community. You know, as the days are getting, you know, shorter and darker, our spirits don't have to this fall. We don't, this doesn't have to be a dark season. And it doesn't have to be a dark season for the people out there. You know, tonight's going to be great as we're, we're going to be doing glow in the dark games and different things. But, you know, when there's, when the when the when there's the less of there's light, when one light shines, it's it fills the whole room, and that's the light of Jesus in a dark dark world we live in. I would say that we live in a very dark. You probably experienced this a very dark and cruel world. There's there's a lack of kindness that's happened here in these last few years. I'm not sure what happened, but it just seems like the world is becoming that way uh, more and more. We we ended up you know somehow this this term cancel culture has come out, right? And, and people are brutal with one another. We, we've seen that, you know. Hey, listen, things happen. People do things. People say things and people do things and then they get caught for saying things and doing things. And, and man, they, and it was, whatever they did was wrong, what they did. But man, when you, when you mess up and if you're a celebrity and if you're a business person, if you're a politician, even a faith leader, man, you are, you're not only just like, you know, removed from whatever you're doing. I mean, you are... You're annihilated. You are you're to be scorched from the face of the earth, right? Do you know what I'm talking about? You, you, you know, like, you remember Matt Lauer? Yeah. Yeah. Who? Yeah, that's exactly, right? I mean, there's so many people out there that, that you, you see that happening. That's, that's, the world, that's the world we live in. But unfortunately, this attitude, you know, this attitude, like, you know, kind of like mafia, you know, it's like, you're dead to me, you know, you're, I don't know if anybody has a, a somebody has a will, and they're mad at their family members, and they, like, you're out of the will, you know, you're, are we write you off or anything, that kind of attitude, that seems to be permeating our culture, but, but I have to, we have to be reminded that, that it's also has penetrated historically the church culture. The church culture itself has been known to be a cancel culture. Some of, us, some of us grew up in that kind of environment. I, you know, we, we, we went to church and we try to act, act the right way and do the right thing. And then what you find is you can't do it 100%. Have you tried that? And, and then what happens is people, people are concerned about you and they make it into a prayer request. And really, this prayer request turns into a rumor mill about, did you hear about them? Well, let's pray for them. 
And this, this, this culture kind of develops of who can really live up to it and who can. And pretty soon, maybe you grew up that way. Maybe you grew up in a, in a, in a church where at some point, you maybe you hit adolescence and you're, you're out doing things with friends and somebody found out about it and you're back and then you're getting, you're, 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 you end up actually being, you know, let, you know, you're letting down a bunch of people, including your own parents or your family. And, and pretty soon you're like, I just can't live up this any longer. I'm just going to distance myself. And many people do. That's, that happens over and over and over again. In fact, you're in this room. It's kind, of, it's kind of amazing that you're here today because you're like, yeah, I grew up that way. We, you grew up in this kind of culture that kind of shames one another. So, but, but I want you to you know, cancel culture is not Jesus' way. Jesus never canceled people. In fact, this morning we're going to look in, in furthering in, in the book of John that we're going to look at this and we're going to find that over and over again, Jesus expressed himself to people, not to condemn people, not to cancel people, but to redeem people and do incredible, incredible work in people's lives. And, and we, we looked in John 1, 14, where John writes, he says, the, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory uh, full of grace and truth. As we're going to look here in a moment, we're going to have a grace and truth moment that, that happens with one person who was literally was actually going to be canceled. And Jesus is brought in this story. John chapter 8, you're going to read it this week and your, your guide, is, this is our, our growth guide as we're going through this series. If you haven't got a copy of this, you can grab one this week. But I want to turn to John chapter 8 this morning. And it says this, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law of Moses, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They're using this question as a trap to have a basis for accusing him. What was happening here is that they're trying to set up Jesus. And over and over, you, you read this and how the, the, the Pharisees, the, the religious leaders, we're not happy with Jesus over and over because he would say things and do things and they were looking for ways to cancel him. They were looking for ways to take him and, and trick him and he, they just couldn't do it. And they, but they found here's another opportunity. And so this woman is dragged out in the, in the square. Here's this woman, they're, they're using her and she's really not the issue. The issue is that they had with, with Jesus. It says this, this really kind of put Jesus in this dilemma because the Jewish law says if a man commits adultery with another man's wife, with the wife of that neighbor, both the adulterer and the adulteress must be put to death. Here she's dragged in front of the place and I, I find it really sad in the, in the fact that she's caught in the middle of adultery, but where's the other dude? What, what, what's going on? It wasn't a, just about her. It was about getting Jesus. Jesus is in this dilemma. He's in this pickle. He, he, and I don't know if you've ever experienced being, being set up. You, I don't know if you remember in school where you were the good student, and you're working on your test, and someone leans over like, what's the answer number five? And you're like, I'm not telling you. And as soon as you say that, the teacher looks at you, they see you talking, and you get in trouble. That, remember that happening to you? You're the good student. Somebody at work, you've, you know, you, something went wrong or broke or something, and then someone blames, well, such and such was near that. And that's, and it's like, I didn't do that. Some of you, even more serious matter, you, you had a spouse that stepped out on you, and then, then they end up dragging you through divorce court, and they blame you for everything and all the problems. 
We've all, if you ever experience entrapment, Jesus can relate with you. He's in this situation here. How does he respond? What does he do? Because there's two sides of it. He could just say, hey, give her a break and offer grace and offer that, but then he's soft on the law. In fact, the Bible says in the law, in the Levitical code, that actually he could be put to death. He could be an accessory to the crime. He could, he could go along and be accomplice to that. He could be taken out. Or he could just say, well, that's your problem. Do what you think you need to do with it. And then he's, who has this reputation, a person full of compassion. What does Jesus do? I think that's a, that's a question for us in our, in our town square, in our, in our Jerusalem court of our lives, in, in the community that we live in. That people are wondering, how are we going to handle and navigate through the challenges that are in our, our world today? How are, how are you going to respond? It, 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 how are you, you know, and how are you going to treat others that are differently? How are you? Are you going to make, make your life about your rights? And, and are you willing to lay down your rights for other people? How are you going to react to the challenges that are going on? Are you going to be one filled with love and grace and acceptance and care and kindness? But on the other hand, how are you going to handle what is, what is true? The community is watching us. And the community was watching Jesus in this Jerusalem temple court that day. So what, is, what are you going to do, Jesus? Well, how does he respond? Well, I think every time I read this, it's just pure brilliance. He stoops. He stoops, not to, not to pick up a stone. John writes this. They're, they're using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When, he, when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, and the older one first, until only Jesus was left with this woman standing there. When I read this, I, you can almost, if there was a newspaper back then, you know, Jerusalem Wall Journal, this would be the headline. Grace stoops to stop guilt-ridden stone throwers. Grace stoops to stop guilt-ridden stone throwers. Jesus, full of grace and truth. What does he do? He kneels down. And he starts riding in the dirt. What, what is he putting down? People speculate on it, right? People, people, people wonder, well, maybe, maybe Jesus, you know, he's writing, he's writing, you know, what these guys have done. These, these people that are accusing her, what, what sins that they're doing. Like, maybe, though, Jesus is actually, maybe he's, maybe he's listing names of who they have been with right? It, the Bible doesn't say, does it? It doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't say. And I'm thinking, why doesn't it say? Why didn't John include that? Why doesn't the other gospel writers include? What, what did Jesus say? Could they not take a screenshot of that? And like, what, what, what was? But I'm wondering, I've been thinking about this so in a fresh way. I was thinking, maybe the reason it is the, that's the case is because we would cancel ourselves out of the equation. We would look, and if, if we knew exactly what was written down, we're like, oh, well, that's, that's not me. I didn't do that. I've never done those bad things, what those guys did. 
I don't know any of those names of those people. I'm not related to them. I don't know anything about it. We would actually make excuses for our own sin. But I want to tell you, I want to tell you this, that Jesus has, he, he has dirt on every, everybody here in this room. He's got dirt on all of us. He, 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 he knows already. He, he's not, you're not fooling anybody. But how Jesus reacts is just unbelievable. And what he offers, rather than just guilt and condemnation, is grace. Grace stooped that day. What do you think Jesus would write about you? We don't know what, that, what it was this day, but all we know is this, what was the reaction? Whatever it was, was enough dirt on them to go, I'm out of here. The old, oldest guys left first, like, I'm out. Younger guys like, hung in there a little bit more, I'm like, oh, I guess I'll leave too. Nobody else left. All of a sudden, though, you just think of this. this Jesus looks at this woman. He's all alone with her. The one and only Son of God, full of grace and truth. What, what, what does he do? What does he react to it? Because, so I want you to think about this. I want you to think about where, where you are in the story. Because I think we, many of us can put ourselves right in the temple square where she is. Feeling condemned, feeling judged. In fact, a lot of the things that you've worked through, and those of us who are adults in this room have worked through, some of you even had professional counseling to work through some of the things that have been said to you and done to you in the past, but you felt criticized and judged. You, you, felt, like, you felt like her. But some of us, I think you admit today that you, you actually could say, well, I've been at times the, the judger. I've been the condemner. I've put people, people down in such a way. And, and in some ways, though, you, you use that as a smokescreen for your own issues. But it was easy to blame other people on what they're doing. Or you might find yourself like Jesus, caught in the middle. Caught in the middle. I, I, I find myself at times, I don't know about you, but just caught in the middle of everything. And going, God, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to walk both in grace and truth right now, but it seems like I'm getting hit on all sides. And it's difficult, Lord. I feel like I'm, I get trapped sometimes in, in this dilemma what to do and how to respond to everything that's going on. Well, I want to talk for here a moment, just some thoughts, and then we're, we're actually going to have some, some time today. In fact, in your, in your book this week, the, the Spiritual Practice of Communion, we're going to spend some time around the Lord's table here in a few minutes. And I encourage you this week in your spiritual practice, do it privately or do it with your small group. Our group, we, we do it online. We'll be doing that on Wednesday night, having communion together. And if you're watching right now, I encourage you to have something ready here in a few minutes as we participate with us in the room as we do that. But here's some thoughts I wanted to think about just moving from guilt, guilt to grace. See, guilt, you know what guilt does? Guilt condemns, but grace extends. Guilt, guilt condemns, but grace extends. Uh, it, it's been awesome. Christy and I, have been, my wife, we've been working with students here, hands-on with United this fall, and we're just, we're excited for Glow Night, and, and uh, I, we're, we're, having a, we're having a great time. We're actually getting kind of bruises on our body from the games we're playing with these kids. We're just not as young as we used to be. But about 25 years ago, when we first worked with students, Christy was working with a group of high school girls, and they were sharing in their small group. They said, wait, we had a, we had a, a Friday night sleepover, and, and, and oh, what'd you do? It was like, well, we, we played hot seat. Well, what was that? Well, we put a girl in the middle, and then we all told things that we hated about her. So we just hurled accusations, and she's like, why would you do that to each other? She goes, oh, there, oh, there one of the girls says, so we're just waiting for the first one to, 
break. First one to cry. I'm thinking, is there not enough problems in the world? Are we not enough in, you know, in an onslaught of getting insulted and playing a game of it, the game of shame? Now, many of us are going, we would never want to do that. Like, I'm out. I cancel myself. I would not want to do that. But how many know that we can do it in the mirror every single day? We don't need any circle around us to do that. We just look in the mirror, and we see ourselves that way over and over. At least the voices of the past, they remind us of it. Shame is a sick, sick game. In fact, shame is really just a, a weapon. It's even deeper. You know, guilt and shame go together. But you, you take guilt to another degree, you have, you have shame. It's such a weapon. Guilt says, I, I did something bad. Shame actually says, I am bad. Guilt says, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. Shame says, I'm sorry, I am a mistake. And we find ourselves, again, we can find ourselves looking in the mirror and seeing ourselves almost in this fatalistic way. Brene Brown, psychologist and author, she writes this, shame corrodes the very part of us that believes we're capable of change. We, we find ourselves, we're like, I'm incapable of changing because so much shame that I've heaped upon my life and allowed that to happen. And so we can, we gotta know this woman in this, temple court. She's feeling the shame. She's ready. She, she's probably thinking, I deserve whatever's coming to me. Be ready to be stoned. But I tell you that, what? There's a big difference between being condemned and being and experiencing conviction. See, condemnation, it pronounces judgment when there's no hope. When we feel condemned, it means there's no other way. I, I'm, I'm stuck in where I'm at. There's no hope of getting out of it. But conviction's a little bit different. Conviction has a divine purpose and a pathway. Scripture says in Romans 8, you know, there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. When you're a follower of Jesus and your, your identity is him, there is a way out. Conviction's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing to be feeling bad about your sin. We need that. Remorse is a very important part of our pathway toward repentance. You have to feel bad first. But if we stay in the feeling bad and make that our identity, we, we end up just find ourselves over and over heaping more and more insults and we are continuing on that hot seat of life that we'll never get out of. Conviction by the Holy Spirit, and by the way, the Holy Spirit is the one that convicts. Your job and my job, my job is not to convict you. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Now God can use us and encourage us and we can encourage one another toward Christ and what he's doing, but we're not called to heap anything on anybody because guess what? There's dirt on us as well. What I find with what Jesus does is he had all the right in the world to write all the dirt. He could, have, he could have wrote it all out and pointed to her. But instead, rather than pushing her down in the dirt, he, he lifts her up. He, pull, he pulls her to this place. He, he's a life lifter. I say, you know, really, that's our role. That's our role as, as Christ's followers, the people that claim to live in the light, is to be ones that would say, you know, hey, we're with you in this, and we understand it, but let's, let's help, let's pro provide a way out of that, to move from condemnation to this place of conviction. And, and it doesn't mean, like, listen, we're, we're, hey, we, we come here, sometimes you come Sunday, and, and the reason you come here is because we're, we're not light on truth here, right? We we're a straight shooter, right? I'm gonna, we're going to call it the way we, we see it sometimes. But, but it is important that, to, that we do that. You know, if you walked away and go, oh, that was such a nice, nice message, pastor. I'm going to be upset. 
with you. I'm going to be upset with myself because I did not do a good job. If none of this really hits a little bit, then it's, it's, it doesn't do the job it is. But we are to do this, not just being nice. We're going to approach the Lord in kindness. Christ came to bring a kind kingdom, not a nice kingdom, but a kind kingdom that he offers. And it's the Holy Spirit's job to bring that conviction. I love what Romans says in the message. It says, God is kind but he's not soft in, kind, in kindness. He takes us firmly by the hand and leads us into a radical life change. Isn't that powerful? That he's taking us by the hand. I just picture him grabbing the hand of this woman. I don't know if she's pushed in the dark, pushed in the dirt. You know, it, it, it sounds like she was standing there condemned, but she didn't stand alone. He said, let me, let me lift you up. Let me get you a place here of dignity and of respect and offer life change. And really, that's what happens. See, moving from grace, from guilt to grace is this. Guilt accuses, but grace forgives. Guilt accuses, but grace forgives. I was going home, sixth grade, walking down in Bellingham, Northwest Avenue from middle school in Bellingham, and, and I, I was minding my own business, and two eighth graders pull up on their bikes. One other guy gets out and punches me in the jaw. And I'm laying in the rhododendrons looking up, and he says, he says, that's for stealing my brother's bike. And I'm laying there going, I don't know you. I don't know your brother. I don't know any bike. <laughs> and I remember having just like a big bruise on my face the next day. And then and, and my, my mom, she, she went, got involved in the, brought me in the principal's office with the principal, and we were going through the yearbook and pointing out the kid. I'm like, I'm going to get beat up again if I tell him who, what happened to me. I don't know if you've been bullied in school. It's a terrible thing when you have. I tell you, there's a, there's a bully in our lives all the time. The Bible says there's an accuser of the brethren, a.k.a. Satan. And he'll do whatever he can to take you down. He'll bully you. And the reason the bullying happens is he's, he can't really truly destroy you and I. He can bully us and he can intimidate us. And rally is whether you, you beat yourself up, you know, this morning of what happened or, or five decades ago, the reality is we do not have to stand alone in our sin. We do not. Everybody could take off and everybody could go away, but guess what? We, we do not have to stand alone in our sin. Jesus is standing there with us. Again, he could write so much about us, but he doesn't. He offers forgiveness. See, finally know this. Guilt incriminates, but grace empowers. Guilt incriminates, but grace empowers. Jesus masterfully outwitted all the religious People in the circle, condemners dropped their rocks, accusers turned away, and even the looky-loos. Remember, there was probably, a, that's another group, there was innocent bystanders probably watching the whole thing. But here, Jesus is alone on the street with this woman. And I, I, think, I think some of the most liberating moments in Scripture right here. It says that Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No, sir. She said, then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Jesus lifted her and expressed forgiveness that she didn't deserve. Jesus did the, did the same for us, that we don't deserve it. He, he could have wrote a lot of things in the dirt against us, and he says, no, I forgive you. But, you know, if we, if we stop there, that's only half the gospel. If we just stop for with this forgiveness and we're clean and that we, we miss what Jesus says Next, that's, I would say is the most empowering moment that Jesus could ever exper- express to a person. 
in the Gospels. This moment, he says to her, go now and leave your life of sin. Go now and leave your life of sin. We don't know her full story. All we know, she got a fresh break. All we know, she, she, she had this opportunity to leave the life, whatever life it was, and we, we have evidence of some things that she did, but we don't know her whole story. We don't know how she was treated. We don't know what she went through. We don't know what led to this place. Yes, she made some bad choices in her life, but I bet there's some things that happened to her that were out of her control that shaped her, her life from where she was. But she had this moment. She had this opportunity to have this clean break and this, this, this place where she could step into this new life. Can I tell you, Jesus offers that new life every single day. Your past, your, your, your choices you made before, okay? The poor choices were your past choices. Today is a new day. Today is a new opportunity. Today is a new direction, a new hope in our lives that Jesus gives us all. See, listen, if you're, if you're feeling the guilt today, you're, feeling the, you're the guilty, you feel like the woman that moment, or you're the guilt giver Jesus has enough dirt on all of us. And he says to us, neither I condemn you. Go, leave your life of sin. If you're the, if you're the one that feels condemned for what you've, what you've done, or you have been the condemner, and you've been hiding in this religious shroud, charade, or you know, covering of, of your life that you are, you are looking this way and the hypocrisy there, Jesus sees that as well. And he doesn't condemn you, even you are a condemner. condemner. He sees you where you're at and he says, yeah, you're acting this way, but guess what? I want to forgive you as well. My grace that I have to empower you to leave your old life. I love what, what the end of the, the last part of this passage in John where it moves into the next section. This is, it, uh, John brings a full circle. Our whole, our whole series that we were talking about this it says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus offered this pathway, the light toward this new direction in our life. Jesus offers that every single time. If you're feeling in a, in a dark dreary season of your life, Jesus says, I see where you're at and I'm providing a way every single time to live in that light. I invite Shane and Abby to come. We are gonna have a moment of communion here together. And I'm gonna go ahead and invite you to go ahead and get it ready. You can, you can open up your, your cracker in your, your little juice cup and just have it ready here. In, in just a couple minutes, we'll prepare to do that. And as you're getting ready, I know a while back I shared this, I shared about this book. It was really impactful for me back in kind of the height, really, of just all that was going on in 2020 with social injustice and riots and everything going on. My son, Grant, gave me a book called Just Mercy. In fact, there's a movie, it's out, uh, Jordan B. Jordan, Michael B. Jordan, that's his name. Uh, he played the part in this movie. Uh, but I read the book and I was just really gripped with what was going on in, in our history, in our American history, when it comes to unfair, unfair treatment in, in, in our court system, and especially toward African-Americans, people of color. And, and Brian Stevenson was an advocate, African-American himself. He would go and fight for injustice and you know, try to, try to um, 
you know, overtake, you know, cases and overturn cases that had proper DNA now and everything. Some of these people have been locked up for years and years. And, the, and he describes at the end of this book how he's exhausted. He's tired. He's tired of doing good. He's, he's, just, he's just at this place and he just had another court case and it didn't go very well because he didn't win them all. He never can. And he's sitting on the bench outside the courtroom and this elderly African-American lady notices him and he starts talking with her, and she, she actually waves him over. He says, he, she says to him, set a spell with me. And come to find out, he knew who she was. She, she was one that would go into the courtroom. Her, her son had, her grandson had been gunned down by some gang members. And she would get in front of the court, and she would tell the court that she forgave these men for what they did to her grandson. And she says this to Brian, she says, I, I decided that my calling is to be here is to, to catch some of the stones people cast on each other. And she grabs the hand of Brian. And Brian knew whether he grew up, grew up in church. He knew what was referring to the woman caught in adultery, being people accusing this, this woman. And, and, and he said, the woman grabbed, this elderly woman grabbed my hand, started rubbing my hands. He says, I know you are a stone catcher and it hurts to catch those stones the people throw at you wow if there was ever a time in our history if there was ever a moment for the church to truly be the church not the church of cancel culture not the church that shuns not the church that tries to live a certain way and, and tell everybody that they, they, they have to live a certain way no the church that is willing to catch some stones that are thrown, the people that are throwing in this world. We live in a very unforgiving and cruel world. How about the church not being that? How about this is the opportunity to open our doors and reach out to anyone, anything, any, anybody, what they've done and what's happened to them, that we would embrace them and love them against the stone-throwing culture. That's really what it means to be people living in the light. So I don't know what that means for you. What stones you need to catch this week? Is there a moment, is there gonna be an opportunity that uh, if you're a person that, that you see another person who is a person of color and you're not a person of color, will you stand up? Will you say something? I, 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 I've been silent most of my life because I was told to, not anymore. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something and there's opportunity. I'm going to have to catch some stones for that. In fact, I already experienced that lately. People didn't like what I said, and, but, I, but I really believe it was true because, because it, was, it was someone who was weak and vulnerable and they're in a situation. Men, will we have an opportunity when women are treated not as equal? You know what I mean? It's, it, maybe it's equal pay. Maybe it's, maybe it's just comments that are made that are degrading. Will we stand up? Would we willing to do that in, you know, I mean, do that in our workplace, in the locker room, or, 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 or just see a woman that needs to be defended? And we do it not in a chauvinistic way, but we, we express true care for people. What about the weak and the vulnerable? What if there's people out there that need us, and we will have to, we'll have to, we'll have to catch some stones for it. But I want to tell you today, 
we don't have to do that alone because there's the ultimate stone catcher. The one that could easily have thrown. The the person without sin, throw the, the first stone. Jesus was without sin, and yet he did not throw one stone. What did Jesus do? He became the condemned. Isaiah says this to us. Surely he took our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Jesus was the stone catcher. Jesus was the one that should have been the one to condemn, but was, became the condemned to offer forgiveness. He was the condemned on the cross. All the sins of the world that were, were, world were hurled at him at once. He paid the price for us. That's why we celebrate communion. Jesus says, I want you to remember this. I want you to remember this moment that's going to happen. And he, he tells them in the night that he was betrayed. He was going to go to the cross the next day. And he said to them, take my body, my body that's going to be broken and beaten and put to death, my body that's going to be ripped apart. It's going to be more than stones. It's going to be crucified and be put to death on your behalf. Remember what I'm going to be doing. In Jesus' name, let's eat together. Jesus held up the cup. The cup represented his blood. This is the cup of wrath. The wrath of God that was going to be poured out on Jesus. That he was going to take all the sins of the world. That, that, that the Bible says that lightning like struck. Like that that, that, that this, the earth got dark. I mean, there was this moment at Christ's death. But it was a finality that when Jesus says it is finished, it was the finished work of the cross that offered this forgiveness, but it was through his blood, his shed blood for our sins that we no longer have to be condemned. We do no longer have to have stones thrown on us. He was the ultimate stone catcher for our sin. And he says, drink in remembrance of me. Let's do that together. I want you to just take a moment as you close your eyes. Oh, Jesus. Lord, may we see ourselves in that temple square. May we see ourselves deserving condemnation. Whether we are the woman in that circle or we are the the condemners around this woman, or we are the looky-loos that are watching this from a distance. None of us are innocent. We all are condemned. And you had everything you could do to write all the dirt about us on that dirt that day. But you did the opposite. Rather than coming to this world to condemn the world, Jesus, you came into this world to save the world. And you became the, the condemned. And you became the ultimate stone catcher for us. And we thank you for that, Lord.
And if there's someone here that has not experienced your salvation, may they say, Jesus, be my Lord, be my Savior. They, they no longer have to be condemned for their sin, but they can be freed. Just like that woman that day was forgiven and free to go and leave her life of sin. Jesus, may we commit to that today. May we be so grateful for what you've done that in it, the gratefulness would spill over into the streets, into our neighborhoods. And when we go this week and we hand out candy and glow stations and we, we reach out to people at our work and we stand up for those who are treating unjustly, may we not do it with indignity, uh, do it with indignant attitudes and, and, and in a way that we're better than anyone else, but we do in a humble, humble way that we have been forgiven. And Lord, we help others to find forgiveness and freedom in you, Lord Jesus. May we be stone catchers this week of what you've done for us. That, Lord, is what it means to be people as we attempt to live in your light. We ask this in Jesus' name.